Morning. Hey, before we jump in, I know. All right. Working out bug pink with the new attendance idea. I hear you. Don't worry. If you're in the room, you're not going to be counted absent. We got you. All right. When you come back from your Labor Day break next Wednesday in chapel, probably be some shifts, some things that we'll do a little different to make sure that. 75 phones are not in the air in a giant brick building trying to find. I hear you, all right? Just, I, I got you, okay? Now, I thought that, especially for our new students, that I would take a few minutes this morning and introduce myself, all right? Some of you might not know me. So my name is Pastor Zach. I'm 42 years old. I was born and raised in Mattoon, Illinois. If you've never been there, you really should. It's the hub of America, I promise you. Uh, I attended Central Christian College. Uh, I graduated here in 2005. I think there's some pictures that, yeah, look at that young guy. Um, so at one point in my life, I had hair, and that was cool, um, and I was skinny. So those of you that are skinny now with hair, enjoy it, all right? Uh, things change. I attended, I graduated in 2005. I spent about 15 years uh, as a youth pastor to middle school and high school students uh, before I came back to Central Christian College to serve as your campus pastor. Uh, stuff about me, I like, I like different. I love the, uh, the Back to the Future movies. Um, those are the greatest movies. In the history of movies, I will give you extra credit for Chapel if you watch. That's not a thing I can do, so don't take that seriously. Uh, I like Back to the Future, uh, Saved by the Bell. Saved by the Bell is the greatest show of all time. And I am, uh, I love the uh, coconut strawberry lotus with red base from Heartbeat Coffee. Highly recommend it. Uh, I'm a husband. My wife's name is Suzanne. She is the registered dietitian at the hospital here in McPherson. Uh, and she's amazing. We've been married for 17 years. We have three kids. Isaac, 14, and he's in eighth grade. Harris, who's 11, and she's in sixth grade. Had a self, and it was like instant teenage girl. Like literally, we handed it to her, and she's like, I'll be in my room on the phone with my friends. I'm and then our youngest is Bella, who is 10, and she's in the fourth grade, and she's obsessed with Minecraft. Um, she wants me to sit and watch YouTube videos of Minecraft. How many of you watch YouTube videos of other people playing Minecraft? Why? It's like, what? What? Like, she's like, Daddy, don't you want to spend time with me? No. Like, not doing this. I don't, it's the worst. So. Uh, that's my family. I have a dog. Uh, our dog's name is Lucy, and she has uh, social problems. Um, and we have a cat named Gracie. Um, and Gracie is so fat, it looks like she actually ate another cat. Um, in fact, uh, where's Eli? Eli Campbell came over, and he's like a vet tech. Like, he's studying to be a vet. And he said, he said, and I quote, again, the guy who works at a vet office studying to be a vet said, that is the fattest cat I've ever seen. Yeah, yeah, that's so. That's a little bit, uh, a little bit about me. 
Um, I uh, I'm an okay I'm an okay chess player. Um, actually, in high school, I was on the varsity chess team. Uh, I know that I know that Professor Chris Gates plays chess, but he's never played me because he's afraid of what would happen. Um, I'm a, <laughs> that's that's all we're gonna do for one chapel is just Chris and I are gonna play chess, and you're gonna watch. Uh, that sounds fun. I'm an okay chess player, and uh, and I'm trying to read. I'm trying to read a hundred books this year, um, and I'm on I'm on track. I'm at like eighty something right now, so I, I think I'm gonna make it. On top of all of that stuff, on top of all of that stuff, I'm an ordained pastor. So that last little bit, when you say you're a pastor, that always makes people. It makes them feel a bit awkward. Like if I'm ever like in a situation and people are like, "What do you?" living you're like i'm a pastor like instantly there there are people who are like oh that like like the, the like the air leaves the room and you have one of two responses either like that's they're like oh cool where are you a pastor and the conversation moves along as normal or else they're like oh you're a pastor i i went yes when i was seven and i'm like you're sharing that with me that's great. i'm excited for you but like all of a sudden you say that and people try not to cuss around you, which always kind of makes me laugh. Um, and people think that people think I can't relate to them because pastors, pastors of course don't swear and they don't have any pure thoughts. They don't yell at their kids or watch porn or get drunk or drugs or cheat on their wife or taxes. We also judge everyone we see. We don't have any fun. We never watch TV or movies. Those things are called stereotypes some of them are true we just say that but i'll lose my job some of those stereotypes are true but some aren't but none of those stereotypes tell the whole story of what it means to be a pastor or a christian or even a good person you see the longer i do my best to follow jesus the more my Stereotypes are challenged. Stereotypes about myself, stereotypes about sin, about sinners, about Jesus himself, about Christianity. See, Christianity, following Jesus, it's not about not swearing. It's not about not having impure thoughts. It, it, really, it's not about not at all. Christianity, Christianity is about Jesus is there's a lot of people with a lot of different ideas about jesus there's a lot of people with a lot of different ideas about jesus so this year we're going to look together at the question is jesus and we're going to finish this sentence together jesus is this sentence the subject is there the verb is there, but how would you finish it? Jesus is. Throughout the year, we'll create this sentence differently from week to week. And as we gather, we'll open the Bible and we'll see what the Bible has to say about who Jesus is. Now, now this book, we're going to use it every week because I believe that it's true. I believe that every word of it is true. I believe that it was inspired by God himself, that if you want to know more about God, if you want to understand
understand God, if you want to understand what it means to follow Jesus, you look at this book, this story, because this story is where we find ourselves. Now, if you don't have a Bible, you don't have one like at all, like in your room or anything, if you came to Central and you don't have a Bible, reach out to me. I will buy you a brand new one. That's not like a thing. Like that's what I do. So come find me. Now, I know that some of you have like the Bible app on your phone. We've already experienced that the reception in here is really good, so you'll probably be fine. Um, but I, I believe, I believe that there is power from actually physically holding the Word of God, physically opening it, and reading from it. I believe there's power in that. So if you have a Bible this morning, I want to invite you to turn to the book of Luke, chapter 19. Luke chapter 19, and I don't know if you've ever noticed this in life, but we're really good at creating rating systems. Like we're really good, especially at creating rating systems for our sins, for the stuff that we do wrong. We have like, we have like a scale for the stuff that we do wrong and the, the good stuff that we do. Like we say things like, I'm a better person than so-and-so because I did this, but he didn't. Or like, like, that dude is worse than me. Like, I only cheated on a test, and he cheated on his girlfriend. And so we, like, we make this scale, and we label, like, small sins, medium small sins, medium sins, medium large sins, large sins, extra large sins, super-sized sins. And if we see someone with like small to medium sins, we think, ah, oh, they're like a pretty good person. They're obviously like close to Jesus. Like, like it's probably not going to be hard for like God to get a hold of them. And then we see someone with like medium to large sins and we get a little nervous. We're like, oh, we're really going to have to pray for her. Her life is going downhill fast. God's going to have to get her attention in a hard way. She needs to work on fixing herself so she can get closer to God. And then we come to like those, those supersized sins, those supersized sinners, someone who commits like the big sins, whatever you would label those as, and we shake our head and we're like, oh man, hope them. Now, the problem with this is that nowhere in the Bible do we see between levels of sin. Jesus doesn't share our rating to him. All sin is equally evil, and all sinners are equally loved. Jesus doesn't have a rating system for sin. Take a look. Luke 19, starting in verse 1. Jesus entered Jericho and was passing through. A man was there by the name of Zacchaeus. He was a chief tax collector and was wealthy. He wanted to see who Jesus was, but being a short man, he could not. And he climbed, sorry, he could not because of the crowd. So he ran ahead and climbed a sycamore fig tree to see him since Jesus was coming that way. When Jesus reached the spot, he looked up and said to him, Zacchaeus, you little man in a tree, come down immediately. I must stay at your house today. So he came down at once and welcomed him gladly. All the people saw this and began to mutter, he has gone to be the guest of a sinner. But Zacchaeus stood up and said to the Lord, 
Lord, here and now I give half of my possessions to the poor. And if I have cheated anybody out of anything, I will pay back four times the amount. And Jesus said to him, today salvation has come to this house because this man too is a son of Abraham. For the son of man came to seek and to save what was lost. Now what you need to understand is that in Jesus' day, tax collectors were looked at like thieves or, or like pimps. Tax collectors were, were Jews who worked for the Roman government, which ruled all of Israel at the time. The job, their job was to collect taxes from their own people. And then they would hand that money over to this hated foreign power. Now, their own income came from whatever they could skim off the top of their own people after they met Rome quota. So Zacchaeus and his fellow tax collectors, they would make up amounts on the fly. Zacchaeus was a professional cheat. He was an embezzler. He, he took money from old ladies. He was a thief. He was also a short dude. But he had a lot of money. You see, at some point, Years before, he had been recruited by the Romans. He was probably a bit of a prodigy. He would have started out as an assistant tax collector and then proved his worth, and he would have been promoted to a tax collector. But in this story, we see that he's the chief tax collector. So what that means is now he probably oversees the entire tax district in this gang of many tax collectors who give them a cut of, give him a cut of their take. All of this combines makes that kiss a major reject. And what we don't know is we don't know how long he's been doing this. Five years, 10 years, 20. And I would bet, I would bet that he probably doesn't really mind being hated. I mean, he's in the big house overlooking the city lounging in his infinity pool with his servants fanning him and dropping grapes in his mouth. I mean, you see, he's feared. People might hate him, but at least back in elementary school, nobody picks the short guy, but now they're afraid of the See, back in Jesus' day, you had this group of people called the Jews, and they were living under Roman occupation. So there was this nation who have been captured by another nation. So these Jews in their own land were being occupied by Rome. Giant global military superpower from India all the way that they owned all of it. It would be like for us here, it would be like if Canada invaded the United States. Like imagine if we were conquered by Canada. Imagine if the reason that it's been so quiet up there for all those years, they've planned. And imagine if one day the Canadians said, we've had enough of this, and they came south on horses. I'm assuming, they, they all, right? That's, I have no idea. And they conquered, imagine if Canada conquered the United States, they took us hostage, and they said, you all have to watch hockey and eat maple syrup. Be like some of you are like. That's imagine if Canada conquered the United States, and imagine if in conquering us 
they had a bit of an issue because they had like Canadian soldiers everywhere. And especially if we were gathered in like large gatherings like this, they would get very nervous because maybe, maybe we're planning a rebellion against them. So like right outside the doors would be a whole army of people on horses. And, and they said things like, I hope we don't have to worry about anything that's going on in there. And, and what if, what if they had, it's like all my Canadian stereotypes, like one big illustration. And imagine if they had to like pay for this army that was occupying the United States. And so they said, well, we'll just tax the Americans. So imagine if you had your income, limited as it is right now, imagine if you had it taxed by the American government, but then on top of that, you were taxed as much or even more by the Canadian government. I mean, if that was the case, how many people would be in financial trouble really quickly? I had a lot of people. Well, this person is, this is the time when Jesus lived. They've been conquered by the Roman Empire, this giant global military superpower. And so there are Roman soldiers everywhere. Now, this is a bit of a problem because, because if you're a good Jew in this crowd, if you're a good God-fearing Jew, you believe you were God's. You have this tradition going all the way back to Abraham. So you have this story that you've been raised in, and this story is a story of blessing. That God has blessed your people so that you can take that blessing and bless the world around you. Because the one true God who made everything wants everyone to know the love of God. And so as a good Jew, you've specially chosen to spread this message of a loving God, a just God, a God of peace. But your problem is that you've been conquered by this foreign army who's taxing you to the point where you're in financial trouble. And the problem is the Roman government doesn't even believe in your God. In fact, there's a whole other set of gods that they believe in. So imagine if you're supposed to be gods who are called to bless the world. And you're this small minority of people and you're being oppressed. You're being taxed the max. Roman soldiers are everywhere, and they run the show. There was this belief. There was this promise, this prophecy, that someday, someday God was going to make it. Someday God would send a Messiah. He would send someone to restore it, put it all back together. Someone who would rescue the oppressed and set the captives free. Someone who would, who would kick out the Romans. So this promise of a Messiah, promise that's been around for hundreds of years, so Zacchaeus would have grown up hearing about how some God would die. But fast forward back to the story, and you have this rumor. And this rumor was this Jesus guy. So Jesus is coming to town, and Zacchaeus says, I'm going to check this guy out. He's getting a lot of followers. A lot of guys are are talking about it, but I'm curious. See, I don't think Zacchaeus was thinking, man, I hope Jesus saves me. Saves him from what? His big house, all the people that serve him? No. He just wants to check out the popular guy. Zacchaeus is about status. You don't become a tax collector and then a chief tax collector and not care about things like money and status. Zacchaeus was famous in a negative sense, but he was famous nonetheless. So Jesus starts scrolling through, and people are lining the streets. 
trying to catch a glimpse of this guy. And Zacchaeus realizes that he can't still crowd. So Zacchaeus is an innovative guy who also is used to getting his way. He hitches up his blinged out robe and he runs ahead and he climbs the sycamore tree. So he gets up in this tree and he can see this dust cloud and all these people clumping around Jesus and Jesus farther down the street and then suddenly stop right next to this little man's tree. And then to Zacchaeus' surprise, calls to Zacchaeus, hey, what, how do you know me? I don't know you. Who told you about me? Zacchaeus, hurry down. I'm headed to your house right now. So Zacchaeus takes Jesus to his house. Then something happens. Something something unexplainable happens in Zacchaeus' heart. Think about it. How long was he with Jesus? Two hours? Four hours? We don't, the, the story doesn't tell us. The Bible doesn't say. We also don't know what they talked about. We can guess. We can assume they probably ate a meal together. Jesus probably listened a lot because he does that. And Zacchaeus was probably like, nobody listens to me except for a few guys who work for me. But this guy cares and he, he listens, he gets it. I mean, does he know who I am? Does he know who's around this table right now? Does he know what I do for a living? Does he know who paid for the fish? Does he know how I paid for this house? And after a bit, Zacchaeus can't contain himself any longer. And he stands up abruptly. And in front of everyone, his family, his peers, his employees, he essentially blurts out, he says, I'm changing everything. I'm changing everything, Jesus. I'm going to start giving my money away. In fact, anyone who I've ever cheated, I'm going to give them back four times what I took. What has just happened is that this callous, bunny-hungry mob boss is about to go broke, and he doesn't even moment change everything. What's day salvation? Because this man, son of Abraham, I love Jesus. Tell the dude to say a prayer. Did he? Did he say, "Well, you got to"? No. All of a sudden, Zacchaeus says, "Hey, here's what I'm doing." And Jesus says, "Today, not that, that." It's like done. for so long, he's been this this traitor, this bad guy, anything but like a good Jew. For as long as he can remember, he's been on the outside looking in on the inside now he's a now he's a good guy put his friend and then Jesus sums up his life's mission and he says the son of man came to seek and to save the lost Jesus says I'm here to help find lost people that's why I've come you see, the religious leaders of his day, the church people, thought that the Messiah was only coming for a select few. The, the religious people, that those leaders 
those church people believe that Jesus was only coming for the chosen. But Jesus says over and over that he came for the broken and the bad and the addicted, the bound, the deceived, the lost, the hurting. You see, Central, I would say that sometimes we are a lot like Zacchaeus. We've been at this sin thing for a long time and we have a problem. make a habit out of doing wrong we start to feel helpless and hopeless and we tell ourselves even Jesus couldn't set me free I've walked so far down this path that even Jesus couldn't help me we've tried as hard as we can and nothing changes Jesus wouldn't see anything worth saving in me anyway and I don't know you maybe it's like a addiction and it controls your life maybe it's maybe it's an unhealthy destructive relationship and people have told you that you'll never change and you're starting to believe that Jesus is Jesus is not your accuser Jesus is not your prosecutor Jesus is not your judge is your friend. Jesus is your rescue. And at the beginning of this year, this first chapel, I want you to hear this. Jesus is your friend. Maybe you're here and you're new to this Jesus stuff. Again, like I've said before, some admissions person or some coach, someone reached out to you, they tricked you. You got here. Wait a minute. You guys are like serious about the Christian part of Central Christian College. Yeah.
benediction. God loves you more than you can ever imagine. He loves you with a love that has no beginning, no end. And it's a love that you don't have to earn. And it's a love that you can never lose. Whether you feel like a success or a failure this morning, He loves you. Whether you feel righteous or guilty this morning, He loves you. He loves you enough to send His Son to live for you, to die for you, and to be raised for you. Now, Jesus, before the Father, speaking words of love on your behalf, and Jesus will return one day to renew you. Change. So don't forget it. Peace be with you. Have a great